Hey, everybody. I uh, thought I'd wear the best rendition of a good dad shirt as I could. <laughs> so whether you're comfortable or not, I am. I am. Uh, hey, we, uh, if you're brand new, we as a church have been talking about something that I think all of us, whether you're new or not, uh, would recognize that uh, COVID and all that was weird. <laughs> That's a summary. Uh, and and coming out of COVID, I think there was this concept that we all would just love getting back together and hanging out and doing life together. But what I would tell you as someone who loves to kind of study the world and people, I don't think we're great at it. So even though that many of us, like kind of, you, no matter if it was a short time or a long time, that we got a bit isolated, I think before COVID, and now what's revealing is we're not fantastic about having people around us, like having good friendships and being connected. And the, a lot of people I'm talking to still feel whether they are or aren't isolated. Like they don't have what we've as a church talked about, like their village, like the people. So we as a church said, well, what's, what's God have to say about being connected to each other? Is there... Is there wisdom? And spoiler alert, there is wisdom that reveals a lot that you want to be encouraged. You want someone in your life to be able to process things with, people around you to enjoy life with. Um, Solomon wrote about multiple aspects that maybe you don't have the language for, but you're like, yeah, that's what I want. Proverbs 18, 24, there are friends who destroy each other, but real friends, a real, real friend sticks closer than a brother. Like most of us want someone in our life, people in our lives that would be loyal if we were maybe, I don't know, to screw up or not have our best day. I think that's language going, yeah, I want that in my life. Proverbs 27, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. If you... If you don't know this about you, I'm going to tell you this, whether you text it to someone from, far, from afar or you have the face-to-face, when you don't know what to do or maybe you do know what to do but just need the courage to do it, and you ask that person or people, what should I do? How do I do this? It does something to you to be able to have a village like that to seek that wisdom. But the truth is, if you, I'm going to out all of us. We aren't very good at it. Some of us have stuck to who we're related to, and we're like, that's not going so well. Some of us are we're stuck to who we're working with or who we go to school with. And there's a bigger world out there of a great village. Uh, neuroscience has done some studies. For those of you who uh, love science, says this about what you and I are wanting uh, here. These are the three things, according to science, it says that your brain wants regarding people in a village. You want to be seen, not like glorified, but we have hopes and disappointments, and we would love people in our lives to see both of them. Uh, Soothed, we need help and support, so you need a village, you need people around you. One person can't do this for you perfectly. If you've tried to do that, where you rely on one person to be everything for you, you're like, yeah, that didn't work. You need a village. Safe, we want to look forward, not over our shoulder. No amens, that's fine, don't worry about it. Most of us at least have had experiences of someone betraying us. And so when you think about being connected to another person, if you don't know this about yourself, one of the things that you're wanting is that someone wouldn't like do something behind your back about you. That's, that ruins villages quickly. In fact, 
in a lot of my conversations, in the private conversations, when people say that they're disconnected or isolated, and I try to talk about, like, I wonder why, because you don't seem to want this. There is a fear that I'm hearing over and over, and I wonder if this resonates with you, a fear that our weakness will be used against us. And I am hearing this. I, again, I'm not trying to get you to nod yes or no, but what I'm hearing over and over is that we have a whole bunch of people who feel isolated and disconnected and say, well, why aren't you connected? Many of us are afraid that if we are super open, if we get into the lives of other people, that they will find out whatever. Or that we will, we will screw up. And maybe you got your own examples of, actually, David, that happened to me, Right? Where you said, so I made a mistake, I shouldn't have done it, they all canceled me now, they don't talk to me, it's all over. And many of us right now aren't connected because we live in a world nowadays that if anyone screws up, it goes public fast. And so whether you know this about yourself or not, I'd like to tell you something about you. That as we watch celebrities and politicians and people of notoriety of any sort, as we watch them fail in their lives, what is being told to us is the same will happen to you when you screw up, so watch who's in your circle. So what it's doing, I would contend, is that we are trying to have friendships from afar. Good luck. I know you were made by God to be connected to other people. So here's what I want to do. I want to show you something that's in the Bible. It's actually in the Bible multiple times. Like, you're tracking me on this one. If you were to study, let's talk about Jesus and his disciples, what you could learn from Jesus and his disciples, a lot of things, but one would be what I would call a path of connection. Literally, what you and your village should have in it. Like, if you're like, David, and you're afraid to say this out loud, I'm going to say it on behalf. David, I want friends, but I don't know how. You're looking at me weird. I'm telling you, and I'll say it on behalf of our whole church, I'm not sure that we're near as good at making friends as we'd like to believe that we are. I know we're like, I was supposed to learn that in third grade. thought I had it. I don't think that we as adults know how to make friends. You're like, this is spiritual. You better believe it's spiritual. Because Jesus said that the thing about life is to love God and love our neighbor. You can't do that without relationships. So if you study Jesus and the disciples, you're going to learn about a path to connection. You can learn, uh, study David and Jonathan. I love their story just because it's easy for me to personally read because David's in it. <laughs> Some of you are like, why? Did, that's why. That's why. That's the depth of that one. So there's multiple places, there's multiple books written all about this path of connection. I want to take you to a place that I often go, that in a world that seems so confusing and that everyone seems to have their version of truth, is I often will go to Genesis chapter 1 through 3. And in Genesis chapter 1 through 3, you know what it does? It solves most of life's problems. If you want to know, literally, what our world right now is, is debating and confused about and like, what should we do, what's right, what's wrong, Genesis 1 through 3 sums up most of it. Now, I'm not suggesting that when you read it, that you like it. I'm just saying it's what it says. And I would say that as well as Jesus and his disciples, David and Jonathan, Genesis 1 through 3 tells you and I 
how to make friends. So if you want a deep sermon today, you're here. How to make friends. Genesis chapter 1. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. It's a big word. Male and female, he created them. So you're like, okay, so what's that have to do with village? Well, let's keep reading. Genesis chapter 2 gives us more clarity about what was just written. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Here's a deep observation. God made people, not just one person. You're not writing it down. I just think it's important. I mean, you can read the Bible, and you can read it going, my goal is just to read through it. But if you go slowly, you begin to learn things that God says without directly saying them. Then note at the beginning that God made people as though God knew something that you and I need to get. That there's a village, there's people, that this is not just the one, as we say, one-person show. So with that deep theology for you, I want to take you in to some note-taking time. Genesis chapter 2. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep while the man slept. The Lord God took out one of the man's ribs, closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and watch this, and he brought her to the man. He brought her to the man. That's the key right there. If you're missing it, here's where you take notes. What we just learned that a village needs is proximity. They enjoyed physical closeness. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that God made Adam and put him in Kansas. And then God made Eve and put her in Rome. Again, I went to seminary for this stuff. This is deep, right? <laughs> but sometimes to understand what it's saying, you've got to know what it's not saying. Do you just catch I'm just saying, It's a basic detail. You're like, well, of course not. Well, I think many of us are trying to have a village from afar. I think we've allowed technology, which I love technology. Come on. Technology is great. I get to text my family all throughout the day. Dad jokes like crazy. I get to uh, track where they're at, but that's a whole other issue. But anyways, I, <laughs> I, I love technology. But can we admit that there are some dangers and deficits in technology that I think are robbing our relationships. I, I, I know some of us, we, you might have a, a friendship from afar, long-distance friendships and relationships. I'm not suggesting that you can't have a long-distance relationship. I'm saying you can't have a long-distance village. You can't. You can make one or two relationships work from afar, but you need a village and proximity. And we learn right off the bat at the beginning of the Bible that God didn't say, Adam, you live way over there. Eve, you live way over there. No, he put them together saying proximity is a big deal. And nowadays we let technology say, I don't need to be near anybody until the day that you need to be near somebody. I think we've allowed convenience to rob us of some of our friendships. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, Brene Brown puts in a book of a study about some villages in Africa. Uh, it plays out that, that as information begins to become more worldwide, the ability and understanding of how to plant crops, but not just how to plant crops, how to make money, begin to be a, a bit more prevalent. 
and in these African villages, they began to make money that they never had been able to make and build, actually began to build an infrastructure that they never had had. They were able then to send their kids to school and pay for it by themselves. Awesome. But they began to actually make more money to where they actually got uh, electricity, ran to their houses. They were even to have toasters, charged their phones. Uh, really, you would say this is good. E- efficient, effective living, making sure that we have the amenities that we need. The kicker is this. The project revealed that a change in the whole village happened when they all got washers and dryers, which, I mean, I just used their washer and dryer. I'm very grateful for it. Our son came home from camp. The clothes needed to go directly into the washer fast. Well, if you don't know this, uh, a routine, a rhythm in these villages where, where the ladies would gather up the clothing, right? The dirty clothes. And they would take him to the river's edge or edge or the water's edge and, and they would wash the clothes together. And you know what they would do? They, they would talk. They would talk about what went well in life. They would talk about what wasn't going well. They would talk about all the things that you want to talk about, right? Well, all of a sudden, one of them got a washer and dryer. She's not there anymore. Then another got a washer and dryer. Not there anymore. And the study revealed that depression, and I'm not exaggerating, depression skyrocketed in these ladies' lives. A pastor um, in, in this context writes, the more resources a person gets, the more walls he or she puts up, and the more lonely they become. That was their assessment of what's going on here. I'm bringing up going, could you and I be leaning too heavily on the internet and connection through our phones, and we've lost our village? I'll speak directly to our friends online and on TV. We love you very much. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong to worship when you can't make it to a church to use your phone or your tablet or your TV or whatever you got. That's not wrong at all. If I thought it was wrong, we wouldn't offer it as a church, right? I think it gets to a place of unhealthy if it, if it takes place of your village. Proximity is a big deal defined by God. We need to be close to each other. So if you haven't been lately with some other people, it's time to get close to some people. But we're taking notes here, so let's go on. Genesis chapter 2. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So in your village, period, I mean, nudity is, is a necessity. I'm just kidding. I'm just, some of you, you're brand new. You're like, what did we just get into? I knew it was a cult. I knew it. No, 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 no. No, in fact, this is important because we're reading about God's take, God's take on a village. And it, it should be kind of weird to you, like, why in the midst of God creating all this does it bring up that, that, that they were naked but they didn't feel any shame? It's not, it's not just about the clothing. You, you catching this? Here's the lesson I would, I would extract from this. Transparency. They were naked and unashamed, fully known and loved. In the original, call it village, there was nothing, no secrets, no deception. 
See, some of you right now, this is why I'm beginning to out a bit of why you don't have a village because of the deception and the betrayal that you've experienced. And so you're like, I don't want any part of that. You haven't had transparency. Now, some of you are going, but I mean, it's a husband and a wife. Of course, they're naked. Let me show you what happens with this couple, because I think this is a big deal. Genesis 3, 7. At that moment, their eyes were open. This is after they sinned. After that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt what? Shame. So don't tell me that there can't be shame in the midst of even a marriage covenant. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So the Bible told you about a couple who live in a village basically naked and, and unashamed. Everything's going great. Then all of a sudden, sin is introduced. I would say in the big picture, like darkness, there's betrayal, there's sin, all that. This is telling you that, that you and I, if we don't have transparency in our villages, shame, regret. We hold back, don't we? What I love about God, I want you to learn something about God. You ready to learn something about God? Because it's really cool. So you got them going from they have no shame to now they feel shame. Do you know what God does? It says, it tells us, verse 21, this is so stinking cool. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Track this. You got to read this right. They're naked, no shame. They screw up in life. They sin against God and now they feel shame and they put together some fig leaves. Not great. Not long-lasting option. And what does God do for them? He gives them leather clothing, better clothing. You know what God could have done? I'm done with you. How could you screw up? I'm going to make you feel shame. How cool is it that our God, the one that we worship, that we talk about, that we sing songs to, how cool is it that our God said, I'm going to take care of this one little detail. You need some better clothes. How cool is it? Now, let me teach you something a little bit more. Where did he get the leather clothes? You might think he went to Target. (laughs) Here's some deep theology for you. This is where the first sacrifice occurred. God would have had to have killed an animal or animals to get that leather to make them clothing, a sacrifice. Death had to occur to deal with their shame. If you have any questions about whether or not God loves you today, let me bring this detail out. He cared enough to deal with this moment with Adam and Eve. How cool is that? It's a moment. I think you should make sure you never forget that verse, that God loves you. So we need proximity, and we need transparency. The problem is some of us stop there. You're like, oh, that's a I, pastor just is basically detailing my friends, my, my village, where we hang out all the time, and we are, we are real with each other, right? We're, we're, yeah, we're just real. You can be who you want to be. Uh, if that's where it stops, you have a toxic village. If it's all about just being close and being real, it means you lack accountability. They lived under submission to God and to each other. They didn't just have like, hey, we're close together. We love being real. You do what you're going to do. You live your truth. I'll live my truth, and we'll just have a great time. 
No, in, in it, there was also accountability. I'll, I'll show you. To, this is pretty cool. Genesis chapter 3. Uh, the man replied, it was the woman who gave me. It was the woman you gave me. He's like, sounds like he's giving an excuse. Okay, sorry. It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And I ate it. I want to point out that it sounds like he's giving an excuse, but what does he say to God when God's like, what'd you do? He goes, I ate the food. Got it? Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? She could have said absolutely nothing, right? Will we all admit that perhaps we've said that before? I've done nothing. The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. A quick observation that they're standing to God, they're talking to God, and God basically holding them accountable, saying, you weren't supposed to eat that, did you eat that? And they admit to him, there's a submission going. They didn't lie. How cool? They didn't lie. There's some accountability bringing, hey, we're going to deal with what happened. God deals with it, and they fess up to it. Not only do you need proximity, not only do you need transparency, you need accountability or you have a toxic village. Let me give you an example. Let me show you a group of friends I had in college. Now, no, I was not in a boy band. I know some of you are like, <laughs> we had no idea. No, uh, apparently that's just how we took pictures back then. Um, I can't believe I'm showing this to you. This is one of those moments I'll personally regret. Uh, anyway. So this is a, a group of buddies and I, uh, my, <laughs> my fifth year in college. Yep, 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 go ahead, it's fine. My fifth year in college, these, these are some of my buddies. What you may not realize and haven't done the math on, let me do it for you. If I went to college for five years, if you've never done this, it means that some of the people you started college with, they graduate before you. You, you follow me on this is how college works. This is how a lot of school works, actually. Uh, see, this is not the original group of buddies that I started college with. You see, who I went to college with were actually buddies that I went to middle school with high school with, we played all the same sports, then we went to college together, lived in the same dorm, the same floor, the same rooms. What I can tell you about my friend group prior to these guys was, hey, let's hang out together, you do whatever you're going to do, and when you mess up, I won't even call you on it because we're buddies. That's what I thought friendship was, proximity and transparency. Well, then I uh, went for my fifth year. I wanted extra credit. Not really. Just went for my fifth year. <laughs> so all my buddies graduate, and I start day one at college like a freshman, but I'm a senior. And i got to make all new friends. And end up making friends with these guys, and we're hanging out, and uh, I quickly uh, screw up. And you know what they did? They pulled me to the side and said, Hey, David, you can't do that. Those are strong words. And I never in my life had I had friends hold me accountable. And I got to tell you, of the five years that I went to college, my fifth one was the one I grew the most. And I can teach you that about friendship, your village, your family, your work environments. You can't just have proximity and transparency. You need accountability. So we need a shared purpose. 
That's, that's another one. Take notes on this. Shared purpose. They were given a clear calling to care for creation. At the, at the very beginning, Genesis says this. I'll give it to you just so you know it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. That's a job. Genesis 2.15 goes even further. Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to what? Tend and watch over it. This is like a job. You got it? He says, not only am I putting some people, plural, and you got to be real with each other, hold each other accountable, you need something to be about. If you've never had this as a family, you get this, that sometimes uh, life uh, gets caught up in living for the weekend or living just to get off work or living just for the kids to go to sleep. Am I reading anyone? Yeah? What kind of life is that? Just to be done so that you can be alone. If you're living that way just for the weekend, just for the kids to go to sleep, just for a break, what I would contend is that your village that you're a part of, you've not embraced the vision or the purpose, most specifically the purpose or the mission of it. Because that's what wakes you up in the morning and carries you through the day and gets you excited about the next day. Let me tell you about this village. Fountain Springs Church, we'll just call ourselves the village people. Just totally came up with that on my own. Just kidding. What happens when a good village has purpose? Let me show us to you. This last week, we had what's called Love Your Neighbor Week. If you're new and you're like, what in the world? Don't you guys love your neighbor all the time? Yes. But churches often do what's called missions trips, and we go all over the nation and the globe, and we go help people share the gospel with as many people as possible, engaging needs all over the world. A church ought to also do missions trips where its own town. So we do that. We do that every month, but specifically we do a week like focused on it. This last week, we went to 99 different locations. I tried to get Katie to add one more. I did laundry, right? I was like, that is a project. <laughs> Let's get to the 100, right? 99 different places. And at those places, well, cumulative of 141 different projects were completed for individuals, for nonprofits, for a lot of different people. You, listen, you can't do that on your own. I'm not hating on you. You just can't do that by yourself. But a village can. A group of people with a shared purpose, with accountability, transparency, and proximity, we can change the world. If you don't know this, several months ago I got up in this spot and said there will be a day in the summer where our students are going to go to camp. And they're going to get to hear who Jesus is. Now, typically, you might be used to, cool, so what are they selling to us? Because they're going to sell us some good food for us to send them to go meet with Jesus. And we're like, that, no. What if we as a church, and so for a couple weeks, I said, hey, I only said it once, by the way. I said it one time. Uh, I said, all right, uh, anyone who wants to help create scholarships for kids who want to go to camp, do it. Over $45,000 came in from you guys. And we're able to send any student who wants to go to camp. It's not a money issue anymore. You can't do that on your own, but a village can do that. You catching the drift here? That's some of my favorite. 162 kids and teenagers have decided to follow Jesus 
in the last six months. Okay. I mean, uh, okay, so here, parenting tip, I'm, 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 I'm going to be done with the sermon, don't worry, but, but if you don't know this, you, you teach people what to celebrate in your family right now, you're teaching your family what to celebrate and what not to celebrate, right? You can say, hey, we're all about championships or we're all about whatever, but you, you, you so I'm going to teach you, that, you want to know what we celebrate? Is when people decide to follow Jesus Christ, okay? So that's worth, it's worth like, so now that you're practiced, uh, four 450 adults have decided to follow Jesus in the last six months. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Some of us are like, I don't even know 450 people. Some of you are like, my hometown doesn't even have 450 people. Don't you want to be a part of a village that's living out of purpose? Instead of just living for, can't wait till I get off from work, can't wait till the kids go to sleep, can't wait till I get a break. If you feel down about life, I think you might want some purpose. But that's not the only thing. There's, there's a last one. Consistency. If you'll read the story in chapters 1 through 3, but even beyond, they didn't quit each other. Did you ever catch that? I don't even have a verse to share with you. I don't have a verse to say, and here's the verse that says, when Adam and Eve refused to quit each other. What I do have is more details in the Bible of how they stuck together. You do know how this could have worked, right? Picture this. They're banned from the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. How was that conversation once God left? They're walking out. If you hadn't, whatever. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> you can hear the married people going, "How do what? That's what we do." It's when it's when you get in the car or you go home and you close the door and you begin to actually quit each other because one or both of you screwed up. What I love about Adam and Eve is the story that we're told is that they stuck together. And they got examples. It's in the Bible. That's not fair. Your screw-ups are not in the Bible. But they had a family. And they lived for God. Let me, let me bring it right home. Do you know that we live in a culture right now that I think loyalty is at the, perhaps, at least in my personal experience, at an all-time low? People are ending their marriages just because they don't feel it anymore. People are leaving their jobs because they didn't get everything they always wanted. People aren't a part of church anymore because church doesn't meet all of their needs. And I'm suggesting that if you're going to live that way, you're, you're vacating your option for a village. You, every village has imperfect people because you're in it and so am I. So we've got to be willing that in the midst and amongst uh, imperfect people, go, we've got to learn one of the things is to be loyal and consistent. I will mess up as your pastor. I got lots of examples if you got the time. We're not always going to be perfect as a church at all. There's lots of examples, but you're not going to be perfect. What if you and I said, you know what, I want a village. I want to be connected. You need to be close, but don't forget, you got to be consistent. And I think this might be where our actual church 
might be the weakest. So what's the lesson in this sermon? Here you go. Stop waiting for connection to happen to you. Because I think a lot of people wait for it to happen to us. No one said hi to me. No one told me where to go. No one helped me when they saw my mess up. No one picked me up. They don't see me. They're not calling. They're not texting. They're not showing up. They didn't provide a meal for me. The pastor didn't say hi. The strongest churches are full of people who say, I need a village, and I'm going to be a part of the village, and I'm going to work at being a part of the village. I implore you, if you want to change the world, start with your village. Start with your village. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, you have personally convicted me as I was writing this sermon. God, I would say I have a deficit, I think, in every one of those categories. Lord, would you use us as a church to help each other be connected to each other, but those who are not a part of our church, God, help us to be connected to anyone and everyone that we can. No matter what people believe, no matter how they vote, no matter what they think, God, everyone matters. I know you know that. I, God, would you help us to feel that and know that in our very heart? Help us to be good at loving you and loving other people. We pray this in your name. Amen.